Welcome to Digital Detectives, reports from the battlefront. We'll discuss computer forensics, electronic discovery, and information security issues and what's really happening in the trenches. Not theory, but practical information that you can use in your law practice, right here on the Legal Talk Network. Welcome to the 112th edition of Digital Detectives. We're glad to have you with us. I'm Sharon Nelson, president of Sensei Enterprises, a digital forensics, cybersecurity, and information technology firm in Fairfax, Virginia. And I'm John Simic, vice president of Sensei Enterprises. Today on Digital Detectives, our topic is the 2019 data breach numbers are in. What are they and what do they mean for 2020? Before we get started, I'd like to thank our sponsors. Thanks to our sponsor, Logical, instant discovery software for modern legal teams. Logical offers perfectly predictable pricing at just $250 per matter per month. Create your free account at any time at Logical.com. That's logic with a K, C-U-L-L dot com forward slash L-T-N. Today, our guest is Dave Reese who is of counsel in the Pittsburgh PA office of Clark Hill PLC, where he practices in the areas of environmental, technology, and data protection law and litigation. For over 25 years, he's increasingly focused on cybersecurity, privacy, and information governance. Dave frequently speaks and writes nationally on legal ethics, technology, and technology law topics. And as usual, Dave, it's, it's great to have you back with us again. Thanks, John. I'm glad to be back. I always enjoy it. Well, today, Dave, we're going to talk about uh, the Identity Theft Resource Center's 2019 end-of-year data breach report. And I'm guessing that a lot of our audience has no familiarity with the report or the Identity Theft Resource Center. So why don't you clue them in? Okay. Well, the Identity Theft Resource Center, it goes by ITRC, uh, is a nonprofit that does two things. It supports victims of identity theft in resolving their cases. Uh, and second, it provides public education and awareness uh, in identity theft, data breaches, cybersecurity, scams, and privacy issues. So it helps and provides information. Uh, it operates a victim assistance call center so that people who are victims of identity theft or have had their information compromised, can call and get free help. It also has a lot of online resources in, in addition to the call. Uh, it's sponsored for, by some tech companies like Google and LexisNexis. It's also sponsored by the U.S. Department of Justice's Office for Victims of Crime. So uh, its website is idtheftcenter.org. Well, Dave, it sounds like it's 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 somewhat familiar with some of the other, you know, security and, and breach reports that I know you and I and Sharon are, are constantly reading up on. But can you let us give us a little more insight on the kinds of information that it that it collects and it reports on? Sure. So it, it focuses on uh, consumer data breaches, so ones that expose or compromise uh, personal information about consumers. You know, the other ones are are, are much broader. So it collects a lot of different kinds of information about breaches, how they happen, and what kind of information was exposed in them. 
it started in 2005, and that's when California's data breach notice law, the first one in the country, took effect, and companies had to start reporting data breaches in which defined kinds of consumer information was exposed. So the uh, Resource Center started then collecting information on every breach that it could find uh, through media sources and government agencies to which breaches were reported, uh, has kept a running list of breaches since then, uh, and periodically summarizes and uh, reports on trends and things of that nature. It, it has two types of reports in addition to this summary annual report. It has the running data breach report that lists each individual one, and those are posted weekly. Uh, and then about quarterly, it pulls the statistics together from them and then annually summarizes them in the kind of report like we're discussing today. Are there other organizations, Dave, that collect and report on the same kind of information? I think at this point, we're down to the last one on this specific kind of information. Uh, there, there were three of them, and, and one might still be uh, springing back. So the original one was called the Data Loss DB or Data Loss Database, and it collected the same kind of information. I, I believe that it stopped updating it in 2015, so it's by the side now. The Privacy Rights Clearinghouse has collected and reported similar information. Uh, it was current until fairly recently. When you go to its website now, you can still download a, a spreadsheet-type database with uh, all of the information, but the analysis and statistics aren't there. It says that it's rebuilding, so that one may come back. In addition, the FBI's Internet Crime Complaint Center, IC3, and the Federal Trade Commission collect this same kind of information, but they just publish summary statistical reports. You can't go to them uh, like you can in this one and uh, the Data Loss DB and the Privacy Rights Clearinghouse and get each incident by list with available information about it. And as John mentioned, there's some other security reports like FireEye, Mandiant's M-Trends, and Verizon's Data Breach Investigation Report, uh, but those don't take each data breach with consumer data and, and list them in order and collect the information. They focus on uh, other areas. So, Dave, the, the big question is, what is the end-of-year data breach report? <laughs> All right, well, it's basically a summary of the information that was collected uh, during 2019 and a comparison of it in terms of numbers and trends to uh, 2018. It, it, it's a 237-page uh, PDF document. Uh, most of, of those pages are the list of each uh, individual data breach on which they collected information. The first 24 pages, which are you know the overview and, and summary, have some really good graphics and charts and provide an overview of the information. But the, the list, uh, the detailed list in most of the pages, takes each data breach, the type of information that was compromised, the industry it was in, how the breach happened, 
and the type of information that was exposed or compromised. So it's a, a pretty interesting report to those of us who delve into this area. For someone who doesn't want to delve into the details, the original pages with the charts and graphics uh, provide a lot of useful information. Well, I have a feeling that for our podcast, we're going to stick pretty much with the first 24 pages, too. Um, that, that's where the highlights are, right? <laughs> that's right. You uh, you don't want me to uh, start randomly reading uh, lists from the rest of the pages and put us all to sleep and uh, turn the audience off. So, but if I know you, Dave, you, you've probably already gone through all 200 plus pages. <laughs> skim through. Uh, certainly haven't. Uh, you know, read through and, and reviewed them in detail. So uh, one of the interesting things that happened was that in 2019, the number of data breaches was up by 17% from 2018. And last year, you know, it asked the question because there had been a decrease from 27 to 2018, uh, are we going to see a trend of decreasing number of breaches or are we going to see um, you know level off or increase or what? Well, the trend of decreases was a short-lived trend because uh, 2019 was up by 17% in the number of breaches, uh, and the business sector was the most uh, had the most breaches in both years. One of the interesting things, despite the increase in number of breaches from 2018 to 2019, there was a 50% drop in the overall number of records exposed. So it was uh, it was kind of interesting. And, and just to put two numbers out there, I don't want to keep reading off numbers in a uh, oral podcast. Uh, in 2019, there were 1,473 breaches. That was up from 1,257 in, in 2018. But sticking more with the, the percentages, an interesting point in 2019, despite the incidents, the number of breaches going up, there was a 41% drop in consumer personally identifiable information that was exposed. So the number of breaches went up, but the number of records uh, exposed went down. The report noted that 2018 was kind of skewed because it included the Marriott Starwood breach uh, that had a very high number of, of records compromised. And, and that's one of the, the interesting things when you look at these statistics over the years, you know, one or two of the really big data breaches in a particular year can, can just totally define the numbers for that year, uh, but really doesn't show anything, uh, anything about a trend. Another thing that is a distinction in the report, it distinguishes between the number of breaches where uh, involving records that are actually breached, that someone on a, unauthorized actually got access to them, and records that were just exposed. Because we uh, just jumping out of the report for a minute, we, we've seen a lot of reports in the last year of large online databases like in Amazon Web Services or others being exposed because they weren't properly configured or default passwords were used and things of that nature. So anybody uh, who looked for it and found it could get access to it. Uh, a lot of times they are found by security researchers. So there may not have been an actual breach of the data, but it has been exposed. 
And uh, that's one of the highlights of this report, pointing out that difference and breaking numbers, Don. Well, before we move on to our next segment, let's take a quick commercial break. Ten years ago, e-discovery meant lawyers packed into a basement, fumbling with complex, slow software, wondering where their lives had gone wrong. Today, not much has changed. That's why Logical is putting an end to e-discovery. Logical is simple, powerful, instant discovery software designed to make you hate document review less. Create a free account today by yourself with no human interaction at logical.com forward slash LTN. That's logic with a K, C-U-L-L dot com forward slash L-T-N. Welcome back to Digital Detectives on the Legal Talk Network. Today, our topic is the 2019 data breach numbers are in. What are they and what do they mean for 2020? Today, our guest is Dave Reese, who is of counsel in the Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania office of Clark Hill PLC, where he practices in the areas of environmental, technology, and data protection law and litigation. Dave, can you tell us a little bit about the report and does it report the type of information that that were compromised? Yes, it does. It breaks information down into two general categories, what it identifies as sensitive information and non-sensitive information. And then it takes each of the types of businesses that it reports on and breaks down the number of records of sensitive information and non-sensitive information that has been exposed. Now, I wouldn't exactly categorize it this way personally, but it classifies as sensitive things like social security numbers, financial accounts, driver's licenses, passports. Uh, I agree those are sensitive. What it calls non-sensitive are email addresses, usernames, and passwords. And in some circumstances, it may be non-sensitive. I'd probably call it less sensitive because if you have users who unfortunately use the same usernames and passwords across the board, even if it is a site that has non-sensitive information, uh, that may get an attacker into something that does have sensitive information. So I view the non-sensitive with more caution than just categorizing it as as non-sensitive. Dave, I certainly agree with you that that should be classified passwords and user IDs. Those should be classified as less sensitive, but maybe, but certainly not non-sensitive uh, and for the reasons you state. But but let's go on and talk about how these breaches break down by industry. That's always a, a great source of interest to folks. Yeah, so it, it breaks industries down into five categories. Uh, first is business, and it reported 644 uh, breaches in that category. Second is medical slash healthcare, and it reported 525 in that category. Uh, next is education, with 113 breaches reported. Fourth is banking, credit, financial, uh, with 108. And finally, government slash military with 84. So it seems like the government and military may be doing better than in past years. I didn't go back and look at it, but uh, my general impression is that those numbers were higher in some of the past years. One of the interesting notes that goes with this 
is that virtually all of the non-sensitive records that were compromised uh, were in the uh, business category. And that was over 705 million uh, non-sensitive records uh, compromised. In all the other categories other than business, it was only 100,000. So, uh, you know, something that, that uh, went with those uh, industries. But for people who are interested in looking at the actual numbers and how they fit together, you know, I recommend looking at the, the first part of the report because, again, it has some good graphics uh, and charts that, uh, that highlight everything. So, Dave, can you tell us a little bit about, and I assume that they did this in the report, was the, the breakdown by the, the methods that were used you know, as part of the breach? Yes, and, and I'm looking uh, now at, at one of the charts. So it has a list of the, the method of the attack, and it, it breaks them down into seven categories. Uh, and then it goes across and has each of the categories of uh, breached entities and gives the number for each of them. So again, if people want to delve into it, that handy chart will give you a lot better explanation than I could talking with without any graphics. But the categories are hacking and intrusion. That one includes phishing, ransomware, and malware, and skimming of credit cards. Next is unauthorized access. Third is employee error or negligence or improper disposal and lost devices. That's kind of a, a broad category, but that's one of them. And then accidental web or internet exposure, physical theft, insider trading, and finally uh, data on the move. So that's the, uh, the seven categories that they have. Uh, the one with the the largest total across the board is the hacking and intrusion. Uh, next is unauthorized access. And then at the bottom are the insider theft and data on the move. Uh, it's interesting, the, the total on those two bottom ones is fewer than uh, 60, 60. The total on hacking and intrusion is 577 incidents. So a uh, big spread in the you know, the methods uh, by which they did it. Yeah, that's for sure. And I know you've taken a look at this report uh, a lot more intensively than John and I have. So what do you think are the lessons from this report as we're now a couple months into uh, 2020? Well, a couple of lessons. I mean, first, in terms of what's going to happen in 2020, I, I don't think it really gives us a clear indication because the statistics have changed. It certainly tells us that the data breaches are going to occur. They're going to affect all industries. They are going to involve the various methods. Uh, the two highest, as I pointed out, were the hacking and, and intrusion and unauthorized access. So for businesses and organizations that are defending their consumer data, those are the places to go. Uh, I would suggest also, uh, depending on which industry a business or organization is in, or the folks advising them, uh, you know, look at what's happening in your particular industry. You know, it's it's part of uh, a, a threat assessment to look at you know what's happening to the kind of data that you have in terms of updating your defenses and your cybersecurity program. For individuals, 
it tells us or them uh, that they're going to continue and, and we need to protect ourselves against it. You know, we always tell our clients or when we're teaching, we tell our audiences the importance of an incident response plan. One of the lessons to me from this report is that consumers need them too. Uh, at least have an idea of what you're going to do if your data is breached or you become a victim of identity theft. Certainly know where to go for information much better than scrambling uh, you know, at the last minute after there already is, is something you have to respond to. Well, Dave, I guess the the last question here, and maybe maybe the big takeaway is, what what recommendations does the ITRC have for for victims of data breaches? All right, that's carrying right forward from my last point about you know each of us having our own or our family's incident response plan. Uh, if you go to their homepage, they have a a link that says, "I need help." So that's a good place to go. <laughs> Is your phone uh, number there? <laughs> and it, it, it breaks it down into nine different categories depending on, on you know, what's happened. So for someone who is a victim of identity theft, of a uh, criminal identity theft, elderly, uh, children, government, just a, a general category of identity theft, uh, military, medical, you know, across the board for um, various ones. So you go there, you click on the particular link, and it gives you guidance for, you know, what you should do in the event of a data breach. Uh, it also recommends going to another site, which is the Federal Trade Commission's uh, Identity Theft Resource Center, which has a lot of similar information. It's identitytheft.gov. So Without going into the details, which I'll do in a minute, those are the places to go for information. So, you know, just having that ready can take you a long way toward protecting yourself. So the steps that both of these sites tell you to do, uh, in, in different order, depending on exactly what's been compromised, you know, it's one thing if new accounts have been opened using your social security number, uh, than if you just get a notice that your credit card number has been uh, compromised. Because the actual fraudulent identity using your social security number is extremely dangerous. The credit card is very easily controllable by getting a new credit card number. But you notify the business or organization that uh, that's involved, notify the Federal Trade Commission, notify local police and get a report, then you have evidence uh, that you know you've been a victim and you have something that you can submit to creditors or others you know who you may need to uh, to deal with. Place a fraud alert on your credit report with all three of the major credit agencies, or alternatively, establish a credit freeze, which basically closes your account for new credit. Uh, get a copy of your credit report and review it and periodically get them and monitor them. And then finally, remediate the particular account that's involved. So the Identity Theft Resource Center, a lot of people don't know about it. They have fairly good marketing, but most of the time that I talk to people who are victims, they don't know about it and haven't heard anything about it. Uh, so it, it's a great resource for victims. 
Well, actually, I think, Dave, this entire podcast has been a great resource for victims, as well as for all of us who are involved in this kind of work or or trying to learn more about it. So thank you, as always, uh, for being willing to be our guest. And this was an especially uh, important report, so it was nice to have you available to talk us through it. And, And we look forward to seeing you in a couple of days at ABA Tech Show. Yes. Well, that does it for this edition of Digital Detectives. And remember, you can subscribe to all the editions of this podcast at LegalTalkNetwork.com or an Apple Podcasts. And if you enjoyed our podcast, please rate us on Apple Podcasts. And you can find out more about Sensei's digital forensics, technology, and cybersecurity services at SENSEIENT.com. We'll see you next time on Digital Detectives. Thanks for listening to Digital Detectives on the Legal Talk Network. Check out some of our other podcasts on LegalTalkNetwork.com and in iTunes.